and welcome to the Thoughtful Christianity Podcast. I'm Josh, and with me, as always, is Jay Broom. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. Ooh, three greetings. You know, we're uh, equal opportunity here at uh, this Whatever podcast. We are. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Um, I, I want to say Reckon Righteous, but, you know, that's not us. That's, <laughs> that ain't me. That ain't, that ain't me, Chief. So, <laughs> you never know when folks be tur- tuning in. Maybe this is, uh, you know... The way they get their day started, middle mm. of the day, or eat a nice end of the day. So we'll ca- capture all of those in there. When I was preaching, I my first sermon ever, which was in Great, at Great Bridge, you were there, mm, was at I night, was. right? And so I had to retrain everything I'd ever learned to say good evening instead of good morning. And then the next sermon I preached a while after was good was good morning, and I said good. E- I'm pretty sure I almost said good evening, or I did. I don't know. Nice. So you know what? Maybe I should do that. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Keeps the audience guessing. Mm-hmm. Jay, I've got some news for you, and I think you're going to be really happy. What? Lay it on me. It's. I don't have a girlfriend, I promise. Uh, It's not something that exciting. Um, Mm. Though, honestly, knowing you, it might be close. I listened to my first podcast. Get out of town. I did. And wait, wait for it. It was Doctrine and Devotion. Oh, yeah? What Mm -hmm. were your thoughts? Loved it. Loved it. They are big on the banter. They are big on the banter. I was really surprised. I didn't think that that would be like as much your style but no they're they're dope i loved it yeah and it is alarming that that's the first podcast i've ever listened to as someone who's had a podcast for like six months but good stuff have we been doing this for six months in some form Uh, we started in january gracious right i guess you're right seven no starting seven right now yeah six months uh, so those who have been with us, you know, they've they've been dedicated. It's so yeah, shout out it's, to them. It's been a trip. <laughs> it has been a trip. Let's hope it, it's gotten better. Yeah, I, I I can attest that it's gotten better. Mm. You know, I but, just you know, don't listen to ours. Going from like you know one uh, percent to like five percent, that's still an improvement, but hey it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> John Calvin said, and you know it's gonna be good. He said that any step towards the Lord, no matter how small, is important. And you mm. know what? If any step towards being a not terrible podcast is a good step. And I'm wow. sure our listeners appreciate it. Good for us. We yeah. should, you know, we're just busy over here patting ourselves in the back. Yes. Yes. This is um, this is just very con- self-congratulation. So Doc and Devo, Doctrine and Devotion. <laughs> Shout and Devo. Tell us, tell the the listeners perhaps a little bit more. Give them a, a, t- a little teaser if they want to go well, check it out for themselves. They shouldn't because then they won't listen to us. They are right. the worst. No, actually, they're great. A lot of banter, but really, really wise guys. Uh, what I love about them is they're friends who I don't know how they met or anything. I don't know their history, but one's the pastor, and then I think one is now an elder, but he came as a as a congregant because the episode I listened to one guy talked about like listening to the sermons of the other guy when he was deciding what church to, to join. So that was pretty cool. I don't know. I just enjoyed it. It was a good time. They, uh, I mean, they're like us, right? They bring the kind of reformed Baptist perspective. We like to be quiet about that. Well, no, we don't, we're not good at that. I'm really bad at being quiet about that. Tough. But yeah, I mean, I think that they, um, they kind of, 
they walk through the 1689 London mm. Baptist Confession of Faith. That's I've been looking right. at that a little bit more because I mean, obviously it's dope and, and really good, but I, I haven't given it the study that I should have. So yeah. I'm looking into it. So, wow. But so, so now you know what a good one sounds like. So now we can continue <laughs> to trend in that direction, I suppose. Yeah. See, now I'm, now I'm not ignorant. Uh, now I'm not blissfully ignorant. Now I know what it is to be good. And so I, yeah. I have no, uh, I have a responsibility excuse. to try. Yeah. So Jay, let's go ahead and dive in to our topic today. We are talking about Solus Christus. We are jumping back into the solas. We didn't forget about them. Yeah, we didn't forget about them. We stopped to tell our stories, I guess. I think uh, we were looking for just some, you know, easy content on a uh, on like a short notice to produce yeah. something, and it turns out we got like almost two hours worth of material. Yeah, in one take too. That was pretty cool. That's right. I mean, hashtag, everyone likes talking about themselves. Hashtag raw. Hashtag authentic. <laughs> hashtag <laughs> relatable. Hashtag relatable. Hashtag relevant. See, yeah, we, we were good. Now we're getting back to being bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we're back to Solus Christus. We're, we've got only these two. We've got Solus Christus and Soli Deo Gloria left. Probably two of... I hate to say most important, but kind of, I think, maybe most foundational. And, and so, yeah, why don't we go ahead and dive in? All righty. First question. What does Solus Christus even mean? Oof. Man, we've never done that question before. Well, Solus Christus means Christ alone. You might have seen Solo Christo, which is also Christ alone. Or I think there's a formulation for that for in Christ alone, but it's all the same. It's Christ alone. Um, and that's going to go along with, what have we covered so far, Jay? We've covered scripture alone, faith, um, alone, faith alone, grace, grace alone. alone. And now we're adding in Christ alone. So yeah, that, that's our fourth one. Uh, and that's going to round out the salvation element. I kind of, I kind of feel like that's, you know, right? Yeah, I think like scripture is like, how do you know that what you're about to say is true? And you say, oh, well, it's according to the scriptures alone. And then you get to the like real meat of uh, uh, what was pro- what was the Protestant understanding of salvation? You know, yeah. so I kind of feel like that's where we're at. So it's a good place to be. Yeah, I, I think you're right. There's a little a neat little uh, link between those middle three. Trinity. Um, oh, Wow. That's that's relevant. Um, Natural theology. So that's where you see it. That was something I noticed in my preparations. Though was like, I kept kind of going back to again, like the idea of faith. Right? I have to like, oh, like, mm-hmm. this was very. I guess you know it, it, this was a, a natural byproduct, right? Because mm-hmm. we talked. To, I think we even said in our faith podcast that, oh, like. You know, what is that faith in, right? Yeah. And so this kind of answers that question. Yeah. Christ alone. So boom. How do we get it? How do we get into this? Where do we start? I mean, obviously we start with Christ, but where where should we go first? So I kind of took a page in my preparations from your book. And I have a book. Well, this is a a question you've posed before in helping Mm. to analyze these was what is this phrase 
addressing, right? Like what mm. is the, what is this in opposition to? Like wh- wh- yeah. why, why did it need to be emphasized that it's Christ alone? Like mm-hmm. where, where, where were people diverging from that? Yeah. Uh, do you have an answer for that? Um, Cause I know you just said that you focused on it. So I don't want to steal from you, steal your thunder. So that was kind of, well, my understanding or what I, the conclusion I came to was kind of the Catholic church's teaching that you need works mm. after you've achieved salvation to continue to, to work saved. your way to salvation. Yeah. And so I think that was kind of where the opposition came in was that Christ's sacrifice on the cross was sufficient to secure salvation like once for all, or like you mean like secure salvation sufficiently maybe. Yeah, exactly. Without having to, without any doubt as to the status of its security. Yeah. Henceforth Uh, maybe. So, Ooh, henceforth. Wow. Look at you. I bet you read the King James Bible. I don't. I got my ESV right here. Shout Uh, out to my ESV boys. mm, Shout out to the Reformation Study Bible because that's what we both have. Mm. Um, So I actually have a question. I don't want to derail us too much, but I just was weirded out by this a little bit. When you've been looking up for research, any of the solos, have you felt like there's not that much on them for them to be such a famous doctrine? Because like I did and I like... For these, I feel like there really isn't that much, especially something clearly addressing the historical element. I really haven't seen like that many accessible stuff things. So I don't know if you you're looking somewhere I'm not. Um, I've been able to find like I guess a handful of articles. Yeah. Um, a lot of like I feel like there's a lot of sermons out there where like. Five solos, da, 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 da. so I don't know. Maybe yeah. YouTube algorithms or the Google algorithms just, you know, feed us different stuff. Well, I was, you know, I was trying to to listen to something while bunny hopping. I was jump roping, and uh, this with this shirt today, off, with this shirt off, yes, whoopow, whoopow, in the privacy of my backyard, and so I couldn't do YouTube because I wanted to be able to close my phone, you know. So I, that's when I went to Doc and Devo. What a blessing. They had one on Solus Christus. But returning to your point, though, like, yeah, I think that that's certainly part of it. I almost wonder, and again, I don't, I am putting together what I know about this doctrine and what I know about the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages, late Middle Ages. But I don't know exactly, I didn't see anything confirming this, but I would assume that Solus Christus also addressed the Catholic claim that salvation could not be found anywhere outside of the church. Salvation is exclusively given to you in the church. Um, hmm. You know, cause think about it the way that they did it, right. Was how did you receive the grace of Christ? I mean, we've talked about this all the time. It's sacraments, right? Yeah. Well, who's the only, this is a big Catholic doctrine is who's the only one authority uh, who has authority to give you the sacraments priests right Mm. so who is in control of dispensing salvation the priests the clergy the church so 
I mean, and this goes all the way back to Augustine, and it's fascinating. Honestly, I find, so church history is kind of something I've been into recently. I find Augustine with the Donatists, and which are are funny enough where we get the name Anabaptist from, weirdly enough, uh, all the way to sacramental theology, a really interesting trip. We don't have time for the trip. It's off topic, so we won't go there. But yeah, I mean, that's how we get it. It's like, I think that maybe Solus Christus is also addressing who is the mediator between you and God. And the Catholic Church would say, well, Christ is, but we dispense that grace, that mediatorial grace to you, and that makes us a divine middleman. Uh, and the refer- reformers would say, Christ alone is our mediator. Christ alone uh, accomplished salvation, and Christ alone also gives salvation. Uh, we don't have a middleman who's dispensing it for us. So I think that's maybe part of it, too. Again, I'm not confident that that was on everybody's mind when they read Christ alone or came up with it, but I think it was certainly included for sure. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know, because that, that's definitely a, a mushy middle ground, right, where there's like the middleman so to speak i don't like that because it's like oh well hey you haven't donated to our building campaign for (laughs) our new sanctuary yet so i'm not sure if i can offer you communion right now right you know that calvin famously withheld communion from the entirety of the city of geneva (laughs) so it's not just catholics who have done something like that but of course calvin didn't think that the supper saved you so it's a little bit different um but yeah, no, I mean, that's that's a heavy piece of it is this idea of like, hey, who's the priest? You know, Luther is so famous. And man, we should do an entire podcast on what it means for the priesthood of all believers, because that's a really cool topic. But that's what Luther emphasized was there's no clergy laity divide, right? There's people. And certainly, eventually, he did emphasize that there are different jobs, but no different dignity between them. So I think that we've got kind of a historical root there, you know, it's mm-hmm. addressing what is the role of the believer's works versus Christ's works, and also who is the middleman between you and God, which the reformers would answer Christ who is God, and the Catholic Church would say Christ mediated, the mediator is mediated by the church. Is it Hebrews 4 it talks about? A single mediator? Uh, it's Hebrews. What's the verse? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Solus Christus, so we're going to be in Hebrews a lot if we're doing anything. Yeah. If we're doing it right, we'll be in Hebrews. Um, I think it might be, though. Hebrews 4 talks about access to God, uh, the throne of grace, which is one of my favorite passages. So maybe I should know the context better than I do. Let's turn there, shall we? Yeah. I'm looking for it. Well, Hebrews 8 through 10, 7 through 10 is really like the emphasis for mediation, but it's, I don't know when it actually says that. I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to spitball there, but. No, you were, I bet you're close. I bet it's somewhere right in that area, but let, let's not get too off point. Let's, so we've talked about the history. What do you think we should talk about next? Like what, what's the next logical step in this? I guess explaining the doctrine, right? Yeah, yeah. And also, I found the verse I was looking for. It's in First Timothy. Oh, I guess. Oh, First Timothy 2, 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator also between right. God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So that was what I was thinking about. Yeah. But, 
you know, Hebrews is again a good place to find some great high priest. Of, yeah, and kind of the foundations for what we'll be talking about today. I think right. Well, so let's go with that though. Okay. One thing that I think so interesting about Solus Christus is in relation to salvation. I, do you feel like this is like T-ball? You know, like most Christians when hearing this would be like, oh, yeah. Woo. That was my bat swinging noise and it was terrible. But, and, you know, it just it's you hit for the fences there. Like, of course, Christ is alone saves. Duh. Like, of, of course. But there's more to it than that. You know, there's depth to it. One thing that I was really interested in, in in thinking about today was that Christ, that every element of salvation that we can describe uh, has a corresponding element in the person and work of Christ. Like if we're talking about reconciliation, adoption, we're talking redemption, if we're talking regeneration, if we're talking um, uh, the the destruction of the guilt of sin, if we're talking about the destruction of the grip of sin, like every element you might isolate, everything in that book, Knowing God by J.I. Packer, can, which is a dope book. Big recommendation from Big Wreck. Josh and I. Big Wreck. Knowing God, J.I. Packer, go find yes. it. I, I just recommended that to someone uh, because it's one of the best books I've ever read. I have a certain someone... I've recommended it, and she is reading it now. So. Right now? Yeah. Wow. Maybe you should date her. Mm-hmm. Too late. Maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're talking about Jay's girlfriend, so uh, he he is doing he is dating her. Yeah, and she is reading Knowing God because she's a smart cookie. Because she's worth dating. Am I right? You said it. So yes, I did say it. So I'm on the hook for it. What were we talking about? I don't know. We took a, oh, man. a detour. Took a detour into your you're personal saying that, life. You're, you're saying that every element of like adoption and all the elements of yeah. knowing God are also present present in like Christ. Yeah. Like I think you can attribute – you if you're talking about any part of salvation, you're going to be able to see Christ one part of – the worker person of Christ in that. Uh, and so some of like, I think my question to you, maybe to open the floor, right? Mm. Uh, there's two people, so we really don't need to open the floor, but takes two to tango. <laughs> it takes two to, to open the tango, Jay. Just kidding. We're back. We, we, we don't dance. That's right. <laughs> I was about to say Kenny Loggins. Is that it? Kenny Loggins? Loggins? Log? Whoever the, the footloose guy is. Oh, man. Oh, Reference man. is lost on me. I, I know the movie, but I'm not. I don't think I've seen it. Wow, we're not cultural enough for Honesty hour. Honesty hour. All right. So my question is, what are some of the roles of Christ, person, or work that like we should think about when we're talking about Christ alone saves? Like, how is Christ... So maybe the way I should say it is, one thing I've been thinking about when thinking about Solus Christus is the supremacy of Christ, right? That's something that the Bible talks about a lot. It's like, hey, Christ is, like, you better recognize Christ in all of these things. And so, like, in in doing so, like, what should we be recognizing Christ in, in his roles or his work or his person in salvation? Putting you on the spot. Yeah. See if you know your Jesus. 
Man, I didn't know this was a test. It is. So in your discussion of all this, and maybe this isn't the right direction to go, but I kind of thought of like almost like the kind of hypostatic union, right? How God mm. is well, Christ is fully man and fully God. Right. And we had a Wait, kind of look and can you define hypostatic union? <laughs> I that, guess that is the definition. Yeah. I, Dang it, to, I was trying to call you. I know. Ugh. Because anyways, yeah. Anyway, hypostatic union, right? It's the idea that in Christ, it's like, oh, I'm scared of using an analogy. <laughs> Bold move. Christ is fully God. As mm-hmm. in he is deity. He's part of, you know, he's one of, he's part of the Trinity, which golly, I'm like, watch my words here. That's mortalism, Patrick. He's part of the Trinity, but he's also fully man. And like he's still fully human in that it wasn't like he was some sort of demigod. Yeah. And how does how does that play into salvation then? Because he had to be both in order for to 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 truly secure salvation, like we've said, he yeah. had to be both. He had to be fully God and fully man. Mm. He had to be man. He had to experience temptation, right? Like he, because, you know, God isn't tempted by anything, Mm -hmm. right? So he he had to take on flesh and he had, had, yeah, he had to die. He had to actually die. Mm -hmm. And and gods don't die. Correct. (laughs) So he had to be man. Correct. And And men don't not sin. Exactly. Exactly. So he had to be both in order to, fully again secure salvation as he did yeah. well and that's Tack on that, to that because I, I feel like i said i, I proposed an idea i don't think i flushed it out as well as i could but no I I, like you can i think you did no I, I feel like that's exactly it i was just going to go further you know hypostatic union Do is it. what they started talking about in nicaea and chalcedon and all those the church council yeah church council sorry um but, but one thing they began to talk about, too, and this is the Greek fathers, uh, like Gregory of Nyssa and a few others, is they started talking about, this was their criticism of a guy named Apollonius, or, or Apollonarius, uh, which, look him up, great example of trying to be, trying to address heresy and falling into heresy by going too far. Remember, the pendulum swings too far every time. Remember that. Good advice for every Christian. You can go too far in reaction. But they said um, only what is assumed is saved, right? So so Christ took a human mind. So the human mind is saved. Christ took a human body. Human body saved. Christ took a human soul. The human soul saved. They believed in a three-part. You know, we don't always agree with them on that. But yeah, so I think that that's part of it is, is why did Christ become man? He assumed flesh to save flesh. <laughs> While that is not on the list of things I thought – that's a great example. Um, one thing I was thinking was him as a true Israel, right? Or as the new Adam. I kind of think of those things as very similar. They're both the son of God who was offered all the benefits of, of adoption, of, of sonship, and who forfeited it in sin uh, constantly. Well, not Adam, not constantly. Adam once and then assumedly for the rest of his life, but Israel constantly. Uh, and like we see Jesus in the Bible very clearly, though, I don't know, maybe you can tell me it's very clearly. Obviously, I've taken a few classes that have highly emphasis, emphasized this, but 
Christ is portrayed as the true Israel, as the is as the son of God who doesn't fail where Israel failed. He was perfect where Israel as a son was disobedient. Uh, I think of Luke four, right? The temptations of Jesus, like how how similar they are to the problem, the the failures of Israel in the wilderness, and how Jesus instead of Israel, Israel grumbled and groaned, and Jesus was obedient. So I feel like that's part of it, you know? That's, that's some, a part of the work. That's some next level uh, Bible study there, y'all. The parallels you know I mean? of the wisdom, in, or sorry, not the wisdom, but the wilderness and all that. There, that's stuff. something that I feel is untapped, right? Not by academics. Academics have been talking about for a long time, but like by the lay person, like there's some really good spiritual meat there to talk, to like chew on and meditate. Um, or like Romans 5, right? New Adam. Or what, what's, what's the song that talks about that? Uh, see the tr- new and better Adam come to save the hell-bound man. Come behold the wondrous mystery. Great song, but it talks about the new Adam. By who? Matt Boswell, I think. My boy. Mm. I think Sovereign Grace does a version of it, so you've probably listened to it. Maybe. It doesn't sound super familiar, truthfully. But well, I'm not going to sing it. it for you. I am not going to sing it here. Man. Maybe one time. Didn't take the bait. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's part of it. You know, when we're talking about Christ alone saves, I feel like we need to flesh that out. That's the whole purpose of the question was like, we need to tell, say, here's how Christ exclusively saves us. You know, because I feel like we can talk about like, oh, you know, yeah, of course it's through Christ because he died on a cross and that's great. But what, so did the thief next to him, right? He he died on a cross. Mm -hmm. I don't worship him. In fact, one of them we is immortalized forever as slandering God. So we have, we have, we don't love him. Uh, and so I, I guess that was the root of my question was just this idea of like, where specifically do we see Christ being the active part in salvation? Uh, you know, he he's righteous, he's obedient, he's the predicted slain lamb. Uh, we see that you know in Isaiah fifty three, and then we yeah. see it in hebrews a lot and in revelation funny enough uh you know you you see jesus storm into the scene and you expect this mighty warrior figure and he's a he's depicted as a slain lamb so i mean that's that's still or what is i think isn't it john the baptist who says behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world yeah it's john one john one i think it's 20 or 18 or something 18 is the end of the prologue so it's like probably 122 or something Mm mm-hmm but yeah, so I mean, I guess that's where I was going. Let's go to the next question. Like, do you have anything that you wanted to say with that? No, I mean, I think I think that's super good. I think you pose an interesting question. Like, why is it that Jesus is the one that we revere when, yeah, he wasn't the only person ever died on the cross, right? But again, I think it's wrapped up in who he who was he is. and what his life yeah. is, like what his life mm-hmm. represented. And not to rehash too much, but again, like that idea of like, he was the sacrifice. He was the the payment, right? He, he was the fulfillment of the the rap sheet of for all the sins that we can never repay. If you yeah, will. So. absolutely. No, I think that that's that's a good way of of kind of closing the question down. Is like, hey, Christ was the only one who could do this. He was perfectly righteous, and he took on our sins, right? So Second Corinthians five twenty one, I believe, right? Twenty one. 
he became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness. And I think that some of us take that as a pithy statement, but there's some real meat to that. He became sin. And we know, what does it mean that he became, right? Like, what are we talking about? We're talking about imputation, right? That he, he received all the benefits, which unfortunately are negative in this connotation of all of our sin. And so we shouldn't overlook that we are his righteousness. What does that mean? It means we receive all the benefits of his righteousness. Uh, you know, Luther and the reformers who were kind of talking about would say that's the active and passive righteousness of Christ. Like that we are, it's imputed to us. We did nothing. And yet we are credited with all the rewards of obedience. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I think there's something to be said there because, you know, he also, he, you know, he, he like paid our debt in a sense. Right. Like, mm-hmm. but you also do a good job of talking about how, you know, he, he didn't take us from in the red to like zero in the account, right? It's yeah. like, no, no, like we got, you know, our debt was paid and then we also received all of his righteousness, right? So it's not like, yeah. you know, we're just at a net zero, but like the righteousness is like, you know, well into the black, if you will, yeah. uh, if you're talking in financial terms. Um, I never am, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, and I think that's an important point that maybe we, we don't cover as well in churches. You know, I, when I'm growing up, I don't think anyone really fully explained to me, like really in depth explained to me, like that I received Jesus's righteousness. A lot of the emphasis was on Jesus receiving my sin, but I think both are equally, would you say equally important? I don't, I don't know if I'm comfortable with equally. I don't know. Gosh. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it's cause like sin is, sin is more emphasized. You know? Yeah, because, hmm, man, we got to do some thinking here. Uh-oh. I don't know if equally is, because the taking away of, like, that's what we trust in Christ for, right? We, that he yeah. will take away our sin, right? Like, that he, like, or that he was, his death was sufficient to secure our salvation through the forgiveness of sins, right? Like, but yeah. just do we just need to be absent from sin to be good in I, God's eyes? Or do we need I to have the full no. righteousness of Christ? Yeah. You know, I actually think, and Calvin agrees with me, and so many Christians in history agree with me. And Sorry. You know what? Let's say that in a less arrogant way. I agree with so many <laughs> Christians. <laughs> wait, 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 they weren't. They weren't. In the, they, they weren't quoting you back in no, I, the day. I am quoting them. But for many, the idea that it being in Christ, meaning that we have all the benefits of Christ because we are somehow unified with him. That's the way that all of salvation should be viewed is how many uh, Christians throughout history have seen it Uh, is, you know, like you should be looking at it as like, Oh, I'm adopted. I'm a son because I'm in Christ. Who's the true son. Like I, uh, am righteous because I'm in Christ, who is the righteous one. I am all of these things because I'm in Christ, who is all of these things. You know, I, that's how many, uh, Calvin's very famous for for viewing all of salvation through that lens. Uh, even my my systematic theo professor, Ken Keithley, that's how he explains it, is through in Christ alone, which is what we're talking about, right? In Christ alone. 
Yeah, that's good. That's a nice segue. Now, perhaps this is a question, unless you had somewhere else to go. Nope, that. I'm aimless. Okay, so <laughs> in our you know fairly limited discussion before this, you were saying, well, perhaps I was fairly like limited in that like I viewed like Solus Christus as like this. I kind of bounded it to the idea of like salvation, and like that was kind mm-hmm. of where I directed a lot of my thoughts and stuff like that. But you had a, a broader aperture, if you will, that like you said, like mm. Christ alone as an emphasis for like, I think you said, in, you know, the supremacy of Christ in all things, what I've written mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Um, so maybe unpack that where what it means to be souls Christus means beyond just who I'm trusting in for salvation. Yeah, I think it, it caused down a rainstorm on, on many different things. Uh, one being scripture, right? Uh, that's one thing that your boys at Doc and Devo talked about in their podcast on it. And I really respected their words. So they were talking about like, what is one of the facets of Christ alone is do you as a person now they didn't, I'm adding this, this is ad lib, but I feel like it's something that you, we like have to wrestle with these. They directed a lot more towards the pulpit. I think we have to wrestle with this as individual Christians whenever we sit down with the Bible. But essentially the question is, do you read the Bible like all of it points to Jesus Christ? Because Luke 24 says that it does. And sorry, not Luke doesn't just say it. Jesus is described in Luke 24 saying, so God himself says, all of this is about Christ. All of this is about the second person of the Trinity and his glory. So Luke 24, let me find it because it's really important. You don't need to read that verse there, homeboy. Yeah, so Luke 24, 13 through uh, 35 is a really important passage for biblical theologians, which I am i would never call myself one, but it's something that I'm very interested in and, and would love to be better at. Uh, and essentially, so it's these really bummed out disciples because Jesus is dead, except for he's not. Plot twist. Surprise. Uh, spoiler alert. And, and so they're really bummed out because Jesus is dead, right? The Christ is dead. So I guess he's not. And they don't recognize that the person walking next to them is the risen Lord. And the risen Lord even says, which is really interesting. So first they say concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified. Here's the real kicker. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes. And besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. And then they, they even know that some of the women claim that he's risen. And Jesus responds to them this. And this is uh, Luke 24, 25. And he said to them, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. Uh, that That's piercing. Honestly, that, that really is, right? Oh, foolish ones. What if Jesus Christ himself came to you and said, oh, hi, Jay. Oh, foolish one and slow of heart to believe. If he said that to me, I'd say, yeah, that's me. <laughs> that I, you were in the right place, but still, it's it's piercing. That cuts, cuts the yeah. core. So it's slow, hard to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And here it is. So I, I took a long route to get here, but it's all good. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The question that we ought to ask ourselves is, what is all the scriptures? What existed at that point? The Old Testament. That's right, Jay. 
That is right. Yeah, so I mean, he literally went to the Old Testament and showed them that the Old Testament is about Jesus. I forget, dude, I don't know if you know where the reference is. I can't remember it, but what's the place where he talks to the Pharisees and he says, uh, you search the scriptures for you think you can find eternal life in them, but lo, they speak of me. I forget where that is. It's in Matthew, Mm -hmm. maybe Matthew 9, but it's, I mean, essentially the same point, right? Yes. One thing that, so that's what, uh, when you're talking about Christ alone, one facet is simply that what is the entirety of God's revelation to man? Which, I mean, think about that. The entirety, everything God wants to say to mankind, what is its sole end? It's telos, as we would say, maybe in the more academic world. Its end is Christ. All of it, once all of it reaches forward to Christ or reaches back or reaches forward further to Christ. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's one thing we have to consider. What do you think? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think this is not a new insight, but I think it is one worth repeating that the Bible, rather than being a collection of stories, can be viewed as a, like, more as a cohesive document that points to Christ, right? That it's telling the story of Christ in a sense. So what you're saying, Jay, is I shouldn't think of Goliath as my problems and David as me. I'm not David? You are, in fact, not David. Uh, That's what I'm I'm saying. I'm not David. You're right. No, no, no. Listen, Jay. I'm not David? Me. You, you in fact, would be Israel. I'm Israel? Cowering from Goliath. Agree to disagree. I'm David. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> me and no. me and a good pal Matt Chandler might I have a sermon to send you. <laughs> the or, the code orange sermon? Yes. We that is a if you if you have sermon. not if you have not listened to this, go find YouTube and type in Matt Chandler Code Orange Revival. And yeah, will, and maybe even Psalm 23. That's that's the topic. That's a yeah. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. You have five stones. You miss all of them. My favorite quote from it. Of course, said very Matt Chandlery, which is a mix of yelling and like overemphasis. The Bible's not about you. Love it. I was told the other day by somebody that I gave off Matt Chandler vibes. And Dude, that's was, good. That's a compliment. I was like, wow, thank you. But. Also, that means not, you even, yell. not even close. I think I think more like the animation. Mm, I get that. No, you definitely move your hands, which no one who listens to podcasts can see. But you move your hands like Matt Chandler does. Wow, very vigorous. Um, but no, I mean that's so that's kind of the point, right? Is uh, this is a really good question for us to ask ourselves in our devotions, right? So when I'm reading the Bible, do I end? Do, is Christ involved in every reading of the scriptures that I read, right? Like even in Chronicles, which I pick on all the time, or Numbers, or so Leviticus. We're reading through it right now, aren't we? I had to say, I definitely skimmed, uh, committing, um, I'm confessing my sins. I skimmed uh, the genealogies. Oh, dude. First Chronicles, yeah, one through nine. Those first That's nine chapters, tough. T-U-F-F. It is. And yet, I mean, I, I truly believe Christ is in it. I'm not saying that it's easy to find. And that's one thing that I that the Doc Devo guys focused on that I think is really helpful too, is like, Jay, is, he, is Jesus hiding 
behind like bushes in these texts? <laughs> like, should I like like when I'm reading David and Goliath? Should I, I like? Out? Yeah, should I like feel like? Wait, this is a sticker. This isn't David, and like rip it back, and it's actually Jesus. And like look at Goliath, and like, oh my gosh, who and is that? You Pokemon? Peel it back. <laughs> you feel it back, and it's Jesus in sin. You're like, oh. David and Goliath is Jesus and sin. Like that's how, so Tim Keller, that's how he preaches that text. And, and I would disagree. I don't think we should do that. That's why I remember before a while ago, we were having this conversation that, that I think it's really important for us to talk about Christotelic versus Christocentric. Oh man, that's we're talking this. about defining our terms. Oof. Uh, telos means end, centric means center. So a Christocentric view of the Old Testament says, Jesus is literally in every single verse. Every verse of the Bible, Jesus is part of the meaning is Jesus. Christotelic, which I think is much more biblical, says that the end of these texts, every verse is pointing towards Jesus, right? The end is Christ. So when you read of of the kings, Jesus is not the wicked kings. He's not. And he's not Israel suffering under them. But when you read of these wicked kings and you see that the sins of the king, the the leader's sins lead the people into sin, you get to think because the Bible is pointing us towards a king who never sins and leads his people in righteousness, which is Jesus. So, you know, you have these things. Uh, And so, I mean, not to put overemphasis on it, but... I often wonder in the in the pulpit, for sure, and we've had this conversation before, it's inappropriate to leave any sermon on a moralistic tone because every sermon is theological and Christotelic. Every sermon points, for, every text points to Christ and therefore every sermon points to Christ. What does Paul say? It is Christ crucified that I preach in Christ alone. That's what I preach. Nothing else. No wisdom no rhetoric, Christ. And I I think that that's one thing we ought to consider in our devotions. That's something we need to consider in all things. That's, that's good. That's, um, that has a lot of implications. I think that I'm not even trying, you know, like fully grasp that completely, but like, I mean, either no, yeah, it's not about like wisdom or like this little nugget of take this away with you this week necessarily. Like, yeah. I mean, it's not like, you know, you you don't go to a text like he became sin who knew no sin that we might become righteousness and talk about like five signs of the Christian, like five ways Christians like obey Christ. That's good. We want people to obey Christ. But tell us about Jesus. That passage is a a, a slam dunk. Like it's so easy. Oh, man, he became sin who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. There's your three points. Perfect. So, I mean, I guess that's that's a call for preachers, but it's also a call for, I wonder how many Christians get away with moralism in their personal devotions in their own rooms. And maybe it's because they don't have a good example, or maybe it's just, I mean, I do it. I have no excuse. Southeastern teaches exclusively expository preaching. Southeastern is a Christ-centered seminary i've been trained i have no excuse and sometimes my devotions are just moralism and i'm not saying the moral parts are bad because the bible is 
very much a moral document and we ought to obey the word of the Lord. But every text points to Jesus as well. So I just gave a large villain monologue. So what are you going? What do you got? Um, maybe. Or should we move on? No, no, no. I, I think there's something to be said here. Like, and maybe this is a topic for another time. Even I guess could break it out into its own thing because I think moralism is something that's not discussed a lot. And like I think you know, like even it's worth discussing more just that maybe our audience could be more familiar with it because. It seems, you know, it, it, it's it's a I don't know very subtle thing that can like I think creeps in. Yeah, it's a to, slippery slope. Yeah, very subtle at first. So I don't know. Maybe talk about that a little bit. Yeah, maybe we should leave that. I think let's let's maybe. leave a teaser trailer right now. Moralism. Stay tuned. We'll we'll talk about therapeutic moral sorry moral therapeutic deism, which is what. The cool Christians talk about, which is essentially what we're what we're talking about. But we have it's to focus on Christ. We're cool, fiction, we're cool Christians, anyways. No, you're yes, right. We have to listen to us, Christ, though. So let's talk about Christ some more. So yeah. we talked about Christ in the scriptures, but yes. and we talked a little bit about Christ in salvation, right? Yeah. One thing I want to ask is: so salvation is by Jesus, but is salvation for Jesus? Is salvation for Jesus? Wow, this is, there's definitely a right answer to this question. There is. I mean, there very clearly is. I want to say, I mean, I feel like the obvious answer has to be yes, right? That like, insofar as that he is God, right? Like we have to, like it is a reflection of him and like his glory that he has accomplished this great work for us, right? Like he is worthy of praise because he has done this right like because he is because he i guess in some ways he didn't have to do this yeah. uh like you know what i mean like i i don't know i feel like i'm treading on dangerous ground <laughs> but like you know god is self-sufficient you know what yeah. i mean like he, he isn't less glorious if he hadn't created humans I see you safeguarding right now. You are you are literally building a a fence post to keep people out of the dangerous waters of heresy. I see that. I, I recognize it. I respect I respect the diligence. You got to do that, right? I, I see that. Want to be very careful with my words. No, that's um, good. Everyone take note of that, you know? That's 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 what the ancient Christians did, right? They didn't really often specify the specifics as much as they built like fences like hey you you got to stay within these two posts so i mean what were you defending against like what were i i see what you are doing well i just maybe the point is that like we're not owed you mean like god is not like christ is not obligated to die for your sins right like yeah you, you have done nothing to merit it and like that's not again anything new but Th- saying in that way i think is maybe a different way of thinking about it right like i mean especially if you i, I think i've been guilty of this that growing up in church right like you think that oh christ died for my sins like oh of course right like in yeah. some sense like you it is dangerous to think like oh well, like of like he owes that to me but no i think that again like salvation is for christ in that again like it is for his 
glory, right? It, it is to show his majesty and his might, right? That yeah, we can praise him because of what he's done out of his own, you know, pure goodness, right? Not, again, because we're owed anything. I'm really surprised a certain text didn't come out of your mouth. Oh, well. Because you talk about it a lot. It's probably because you spend so much time with Jeff Durbin. Yeah, Like Psalm, Psalm 110, right? Yeah. I, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my uh, right hand and I will make the enemies under your foot as your footstool, right? I mean, that, or like Romans 11, 36, but it was, it's what I was coming from. It doesn't okay. answer the question, but it's where, yeah. I, where it came from is for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. You know, so I guess my question, I was being very vague on purpose. I wanted to see where you'd go with it. I guess my question is very much directed towards, it's not a simple, so like I might pass a guy on the road who's homeless, might throw him a few dollars, right? And that is that that is a generosity where I will leave and never see him again. So, so, so there's no end point, right? There's just the act. The act is itself isolated. That's not Christ. Christ is doing this for himself, for a goal. It is, we might say that, that salvation is Christocentric. It's about Jesus. It's not really about us. It's about Jesus. Uh, and I know I'm treading towards dangerous waters because of course, Ephesians says that he did this out of great love for us. And uh, John 3.16 says that it was out of love that he saved us. And yet, I think about passages like Ephesians 2. Like, he saved us for good works, which he created beforehand for us. Or literally every passage that riffs off of Psalm 110 and talks about bringing things under his footstool. There's a lot. <laughs> which there is, yeah. I mean, and all of Hebrews might actually... I've heard people theorize that all of Hebrews is a commentary on Psalm 110. And I'm not convinced that they're wrong. <laughs> Whoa. Because Psalm 110 is very much interwoven in that pat in that book. But uh, what about like Ephesians? Not Ephesians. I'm trying to think. First Corinthians six. You've been bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Like you were not your own. Or um, man, I'm trying to think. Do you have anything? Not off the top of my head, but yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've given a few examples, just a few. But yeah, there's no, many. I think it's good. Oh, Colossians. Why are we not talking about Colossians? My fool. My, my bad. Colossians 3, right? I mean, one, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, invisible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things were created through him and for him. And then it says that he also recreated us. Therefore, therefore implying that from him through him and by him we are recreated saved so that, that was kind of a point that i wanted to make uh i wanted us to talk about is just like our salvation has as its end the glory of christ and at, at center is christ and that i think dovetails very nicely into where we're going next week that's true. Maybe that's why I, I, yeah, maybe that's that's something we should have done is his held off on that. You're right. It's a nice little, little, little tasty morsel. Keep people yeah, coming man, back. Let's hope. 
So in our last few minutes, one thing I, I want to talk about is the supremacy of Christ in our lives. What does it mean for Christ alone to impact the way we live, who we are, and also who we are as the church? You know, and, and uh, feel free to riff off of this any way you want. But I mean, I just, when I was listening to Doc and Devo, I was having thoughts of my own about this as well. I just was overwhelmed by a question, not one that I want an answer to. And that is, how often do you, do you think about Jesus Christ? Not like, how do often do you think about the person, Jesus, Jesus Christ? And, and I wrote down somewhere, I think on my iPad, and I wrote down yearly, monthly, weekly, daily, hourly. And I just was, I was very humbled by that. Not because I, of a specific answer. I didn't even try to answer. I, I honestly don't know. I'd have to observe myself a little bit more, which defeats the purpose, right? Because then you'd be thinking about it a lot. But I mean, man, doesn't that humble us? What are we called to? What is, what has this all been about? It's all been about Christ. And yet I, I'm confident. I mean, I would literally bet my life savings, which is not much, um, <laughs> that there are people in the Christian church who have the title of Christian, which people think are Christian, and maybe they even are, who yearly would be the right word, or maybe even monthly or weekly. They think about Christ once every Sunday. That is hard to think about. I mean, what are we, what are you as a person known for? Is it Christ? I don't know. That, that's, that's where my thoughts have been. I don't know if I'm taking it in a uh, more intense place, but I think we got to go there. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think when you talk about the rubber meeting the road. Mm, cliches. Love them. That we can, it's one thing to say, oh yeah, you know, Christ is Lord, right? And like, mm. so was Christus. Like, hey, put it on a t-shirt, right? But there's a large wharf, right? Or a gap, a chasm, whatever your term is, um, between just saying these things and like living it out, like you said. Like yeah. the idea that like, if I say I, I love something, right? Is that reflected in my life? Again, just like, again, what what is occupying your thoughts, right? Is it your you mean like your weekend plans? Like is yeah. that really more important than Christ? But so often like that's what we dwell on. Like oh man, or yeah. I can't wait to be done with work. Or oh man, like what are those people talking about over there? Like oh or but like what is our mind coming back to, right? And like the fact that Christ is perhaps absent from our thoughts. Like what does that tell us about us? Yeah. Right. Like, what does that say about me? Um, because I know I'm guilty of this, right? Where I mean, absolutely. Like, it's very easy, I guess, to become trapped in the the immediate, like what's in front of me, or the hustle and bustle of the day and day, day in day out. Yeah, that's why I appreciate our friend Will. Right. Uh, I, he gets a decent amount of shout outs because he's awesome. I love him, but. I remember him calling me and we were talking through some issues, right? Just normal brother Christian stuff. And 
I, I mentioned like, Hey man, like, I think that like part of, part of like working through these things, part of sanctification, part of holiness is just talking about Jesus, like talking about Jesus and meaning it. And I love him. He said, that is what I want from you. That is like, that's what I want. I just want to talk about Jesus with you. How often do I even have conversations that are actually about Jesus? Sometimes they're about theology about Jesus, and I'm in no means putting theology down. That's only fools put theology down. But like, how often do I not actually talk about Jesus as a person? Like, how often do I not talk about Jesus as he impacts me as a savior and a Lord? Like, man, is Christ actually the theme of my life? I don't know. I genuinely don't know. And and that's something for, for more prayer and reflection for sure. And I think that applies to churches too, don't you? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Right. Considering they're made up of sinful humans, right? Like, yeah. of course they'll be, they will be prone to uh, stray in the same ways. Yeah. I mean, I, I have this story that I think is really funny. I won't say any names of course, but like there was a guy I, I knew uh, and he was looking for churches and he asked me, so I'm, I was going to Stony Hill at that point, still going. Uh, and he was like, Oh, what's Stony Hill's thing? I was like, I, I don't quite know what you mean. He's like, no, what's, what's their thing? What are they about? And I was like, Jesus, <laughs> I guess. He's like, no, like, you know, like, are they really big into like homeless ministry or, uh, are, are they like, what kind of outreach do they do? Like, are they really big on youth? Are they really big on like, child care like what's their thing and he was getting like visibly frustrated with me because i i mean if you put him if you go into his shoes i'm being very like holier than thou because i keep answering jesus and he wants a more yeah practical, practical pragmatic realistic yeah come on but dude I, but like that's the thing we got to wrestle with that and that's a real story from a real christian a real brother in the faith who that's how he was viewing church was like oh we all have things we all have, like, I'm the, our youth group is cool church. I'm the, we have a lot of seminary students, and so we're a little bit more intellectual church. Like, I'm, we're the, our pastor is is a author, and he's written books, and he's super popular church. Like, what I worry about is that we have churches that are not, it's not Christ alone. I mean, that, that's the call. That's what the podcast has been about, is Christ alone. So I don't know. That, that's that's my story, I guess. Not my story. We just told our stories, but that's a story from me. No, no, I think that is just a very emphatic kind of maybe action item to take away from this, right? Like, you know, we can talk about the history of this and all that fun stuff and get wrapped in around the actual thought kind of fun stuff. And it's not trivial, like you said. No. Um, but like, if we are looking to perhaps give something to our listener, right? As in like, here's something to think on as a Christian. How, you know, how often do you think about Christ or perhaps how, how can you do it more? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a better way of phrasing. Sometimes my mom will tell me that I'm a little bit too confrontational in the way I phrase things and she's right. So that's a better way of phrasing it is how, how can you improve that? Right. Like, and do you want to improve that? Because I think that's the question. It's funny how little love we have for our neighbors in questioning their salvation. I mean, 
if you don't want to think about Christ more, if you're like, no, weekly's enough. Like, I don't want to give him more. That's a serious breach, right? Because we are going to, and I, I think this is a good way to end maybe, is we are going to declare as the church, the bride of Christ, saved by Christ, that Christ is all in all. I mean, that that's our declaration. You can take it or leave it, but you're taking it or leaving us with it. Christ is all in all. I don't think I have anything else. What do you got? Anything? I think as we talk these past couple minutes that something that's just come to my mind is like the idea of priority. Mm. I think sometimes in my own life that I look at or even talking with you, right? And I'll be like, oh, like Josh does all this. And this is it. like, oh gosh, like there's all these things I need to be doing in my life. Like all these, yeah. you know, like I could be getting like, there's all these things I should be doing more of or doing better or more in depth. Or da, 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 da. But I think it's easy to get caught up in like different practices you could be doing. But I think fundamentally as Christians, like there are a few like more beneficial or like practical things we can do than just say like, I have the desire to think about Christ more or, you know, just dwell on him and emphasize him in my life. Right. Like I think there are a few more like practical steps that could be, you know, there are a few things that can be more important than that. I think that is an incredible way of saying that a really, really good way and a really important thing. I mean, I think of my pastor, you've never heard him preach because the one time you came, he was out of town or something. I think David, yeah, in almost every sermon, it'll come up at least once, sometimes twice. But one, I would say the most common phrase for him to utter from the pulpit is look to Christ. When he's talking about the gospel, he says, look to Christ. When he's preaching something moral, he he preaches first look to Christ. He's one of the only preachers I've heard of who in the passage that clearly is imperative and like is commanding things. Every single time he has a passage like that, he begins with a point, an entire point on how commands are only for those who have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. So, I mean, I I think that's it. You know, um, I've been reading Holiness by J.C. Ryle and I just read Assured by Greg Gilbert. And I feel like we keep we're, we're drilling home the same point, but this is really good. I want to share before we go. Both men, one on the topic of how do we become holy and sanctified, and one on the topic of how do we have assurance of our salvation. Both men said, don't look first to the good works. The only way for Ryle, the only way for growth is to water the root, which is Christ. And for Gilbert, the only way to good, I love his metaphor. He said, good works are the speedometer and yet tinkering with the speedometer will not change your speed. Only putting your foot more firmly on the gas pedal, which is Christ, will change your speed. You know, I would never have even thought of that, but that's good. So, I mean, I guess we are pushing an hour and 10 minutes, which is a little long, We're getting close, but look to Christ. It's as simple and as important as that. You said it. Well, this has been uh, Jay and Josh, and we will 
See you next week with another Thoughtful Christianity podcast.